Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello and welcome back to Fighting on Film. This week we are coming off of Anzac Month. Well, it was a bumper Anzac Month. We did an extra film. And this week we have, I think, what is arguably a classic of the genre. Not yeah. perhaps the war film genre, although... It fits our mantra as it's a Cold War film. I think you'll agree, Rob. Yeah, it's a hybrid, isn't it? It's a hybrid of many genres. It is. So this week we are doing Who Dares Wins with Lewis Collins. Classic. Who, we've, oh, I've been we've done for a Collins one. film before, we but have, this yeah. is his best film. Yeah, it is. It has to be. It's it's just a special movie, isn't it, I think? Because if you're, if you're of that age where you grew up with like the wild geese, the sea wolves... You and Lloyd movies, basically, though. Let's get it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you grew up in that 80s period, this this movie is like up there. You've got the professionals on TV. You're coming off the Sweeney. It's like it's a certain... It's just I mean, we certain didn't even grow up in that era, but we like these no. films. Yeah, I feel like I grew up in that era because my dad know, did. It's like, it's all, it's that whole, it's a very generational thing, I think this movie is. But before we move on, we have some podcast news to share with you. And if you have been keeping up to date on our socials, follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. If you've at been Fighting keeping at Fighting on Film, yes. If you've been keeping up with us, you'll know that we launched a shop. So now we have a some, shop. A shop, yeah. Um, so you can buy Fighting on Film merchandise 24 7, 365. And we've got some new designs on there. Um, finally, there are some FOF badges and like a, a patch of our logo. You can find the one of those. Great. Yeah. Um, Matt designed a SSVC style FOF logo t shirt, which you can purchase as well. There's plenty on there. If you go to fightingonfilm.com, there's a section for the merchandise store just below our wall of fame. And talking about our wall of fame, we recently updated our Patreons. 
um, tiers. So if you want to get involved in the supporting cast, there's never been a better time because we've introduced a £2.50 tier where you can take part in our Patreon uh, pick votes, which is always really popular. We put up four movies and you get to vote as a member of the supporting cast every month. You can affect what movies we do and it's always fun choices. And also you just get to be a part of the gang. And if this isn't enough, you get 10% off the Foff Shop. So please go over to fightingonfilm.com again and you can find our Patreon link there. And you also get to ask questions to guests. Yes, you do. And we have an absolutely cracking guest coming up, which we aren't going to announce just yet. Shall we announce it? Yeah, go on. I think we should. I think we should. We've got Jim Dowdle, who is perhaps one of Britain's most prolific stuntmen, armourers, coordinators in the business. And he's very kindly agreed to come on the show this month. Um, So that episode is going to be recorded this month sometime, and then we'll, we'll let you know when that's going to drop. But at the moment... We have a post up on, on Patreon for the supporting cast to ask questions to Jim um, and we'll put those to him when he comes onto the show. So we've had some great ones already. Yep. Rob and I have been thinking of some as well. It's going to be a great <laughs> show. So yes, as Rob said, now is the time. If you want to get involved and, and support the podcast, which we very much appreciate, yep. then definitely go ahead and check it out anyway. Yeah, of course. And thank you very much to our existing supporting cast members for helping us create the podcast every week. Um, and to everyone for listening as well. Yeah, of course. And whether you are a Patreon member or not, we love every single one of you listening uh, regardless. So moving on. So Matt, do you want to give us a, a lowdown of the plot? Because it is a little bit complicated at times, this one. It is a little bit. So the the the, the one sentence um, plot of this film is a revolution... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Resolution. A, rev- <laughs> a resolution. A revolutionary dance troupe stormed the US ambassador's residence and demand a nuclear bomb is dropped on a nuclear submarine base. And only one man can stop them. James Bond, no. <laughs> it <laughs> sounds so Bond, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, so yes, the plot of the film is uh, Lewis Collins plays Peter Skellen, a captain in the SAS, who infiltrates uh, some left-wing terrorist revolutionaries who sort of co-opt uh, the, the CND movement and they hijack an embassy when foreign dignitaries are, are visiting. And the only man that can stop them is, is Skellen, is Lewis Collins. That's pretty much it. I mean, the, the plot is way more complicated than that. Um, it is. I've, I've, that's, the, that's the baseline. But, right well, that's it. That's basically it. You yeah. know, it's, a, it's one part Wild Geeks, one part Bond film, another part of Cold War thriller. It's a little bit, there's so much going on. Um, there is a lot. It doesn't, almost doesn't know what it's doing at times. No, it, it can't. It can't quite work out what genre it wants to be. I think that's the film's biggest issue. Anyway, going into the production. So, as I said earlier, it's a Ewan Lloyd movie, and he produced The Wild Geese, Paper Tiger, The Sea Wolves. You know, they're all that all that kind of adventure war type uh, commando book. I notice you're not mentioning Wild Geese too, though. Yeah, it's all right. It's it's <laughs> not what it's not what it should have been, really, is it? No. Um, but anyway, that's for another day. That one we'll have we'll have to cover that one, Matt. We we'll have to. I know it's um, coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's going to happen. He was in. Yeah, he was inspired to make the film after watching the 1980 Iranian embassy siege because um, his offices, I think, was near it. And then after he registered names for a potential film about the siege, and then he started the process of getting the film made. And an outline for the plot was written by George Markstein, who co-wrote the 1967 Stanley Baker film Robbery. It's one of his biggest oh. credits. That initial outline of the plot was turned into a novel by James Follett, who was an action writer. He wrote like pulp novels and action novels. 
Um, and he wrote that novel in 30 days. And then that book was turned into a screenplay by Reginald Rose. So, yeah, 1980, the really Embassy Siege. Wow. September 1981, they're filming the movie. It, it's whirlwind. It, it went from being a screenplay to a book to a screenplay to a book to a novel to a book to a screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> from, it was that's an idea in Lloyd's that. head, then it was on paper, <laughs> then it was on paper somewhere else, then it was on paper somewhere else, then it was in Lewis Collins' hand in under okay. about maybe a year. Um, it's impressive it's turnaround, but yeah, yeah, it really is. And as I said, I know from filming... I know from a lot of the um, the contemporary media around it um, that was put out with the help of the production company uh, to the to the press. There's a lot of the emphasis that it's not about the Iranian embassy siege. No, um, and Lloyd uh, purposely said that he didn't want to make it about that because he knew that he couldn't match the dramatic. Of course, nature of the raid yeah, itself. That, yeah, it's one of the most famous raids ever filmed, isn't it? Um... Yeah, it is. How are you going to improve that? But they do their own thing with it, I think, and they, they get the beats in there. They just they do it in their own way. Um, they do. There's some ne- nice little nods that I'm sure we'll talk really about. Really nice nods. We'll get towards the end. Um, but filming began in September 1981. It was shot in nine weeks, um, and it was advised by former SAS members. But there was initial pushback from the regiment themselves, um, and then elements of the movie were changed, and the SAS were a little bit more soft towards the film. Um, and uh, Lloyd said, he told the press, uh, the LA Times actually, he said, after that change, they opened the door quite widely and even provided three military helicopters. And there were Westland scouts in the end, actually, by yeah. the Army Air Corps. Um, and Collins spoke to Richard Whiteley in a 1982 interview. He said, uh, the film doesn't disclose any military secrets, but what you do see is the inside of Hereford, although we've jazzed it up a little bit. It's a little bit James Bondy. All the SAS things in the film are accurate, that I can say. I know that. Well, we have a we have a bit of a source for this, so we got a little bit of information from from um, someone in the know. Can't really say much more about that, but we know that the SAS aren't in the film. So there's some sources that say that the people doing the rappelling and the room clearance stuff are SAS. Um, can't say for certain, but I but we were told by someone in the know that there's no SAS personnel in the film, no. but they did act as advisors and trainers. So yeah. they train guys to do the rappelling. They train guys to do the room clearance stuff. Um, and all of this is based around the counter-revolutionary warfare wing, which was an element of the SAS. And apparently guys from the, the CRW wing were involved in the training uh, of um, Collins and some of the other people in the film. Um, it's really interesting because apparently throughout the film, there's characters, the SAS troopers, etc., cetera, and, and personnel that are name-checked with names of the advisors ah. uh, one of them at the beginning uh, of the film actually when they arrive into the camp there's a chap stripping a nine mil uh, browning down and he's name checked as uh, as neil and mm. one of the advisors i'm i'm told his name is neil okay uh, and and that's the case with a couple of the other guys as well so they brought them in they just haven't shown their faces I exactly guess. i yeah. get it yeah so according to according to our source on this um that beginning sequence were um uh, we're introduced to Skell in, in, a, in a kill house training room. Um, some lads burst in with pistols and shoot some targets around him. And then he, he critiques what they've done. He mm. tells one of them that they were, he was framing in the doorway and another one wasn't looking at the targets. He was looking at the floor uh, and this sort of thing. And apparently that is similar to a demonstration that the SAS did for the production team. So the production oh, wow. team okay. were invited down to um, Hereford, SAS, um, the camp. And... They, they were shown one of these drills um, 
in the room. They were in the room when they did it. Um, That's really so cool. they, they set it up for maximum effect. Yeah, by all counts. yeah. And yeah, as you said there, like the, the SAS got a look at the script and there were certain things in it they didn't like. I don't know what they removed. Uh, there was the stuff about trade unions and all sorts of other bits that were removed, apparently. There's another interview where where sorry to interrupt there's another interview where Collins said that the original script had him doing a lot more like a lot more action type roles so I wonder if they'd hinted at more soldiering yeah maybe they'd they'd had some more SAS raids planned maybe at the start maybe that's how he gets introduced and then they cut it because maybe they represented the regiment in a bad light who knows Um, don't know don't know well the MOD obviously had a look at it um, and then they handed it off to the SAS to to get their input as well Mm. um it's interesting that the SAS even touched the film, I think. But it does, it gives a layer of authenticity to the movie. And I think that's one of the reasons it's it's still loved today is that it, it just ha- it's just captured that essence of them enough, I think, for people to take something away from it. Absolutely. I think it's interesting that as some sources say that the actual camp that's shown is Hereford, when it, it, it definitely wouldn't have been. There's no, there's no way the SAS would have allowed a film crew in crew there, to yeah. actually film inside the, the camp. The it might be camp. on a barracks, but it might not be Hereford Barracks. I couldn't find I'm out. I'm sure really. they're doing things that look SAS-y, let's put it that way. So, you know, room clearances, um, repelling down buildings. That's all stuff the SAS trained to do and, and still do. Of course, yeah. Um, but, you know, the stuff where they're on like a scaffold and they're, they're doing pistol drills and rolling around and stuff. That is that is a little bit, you know, like the James Bond sequences where they pan past a load of ninjas doing stuff. It's kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's like elevated reality a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's, it's how like that Wayne's imagine... World scene where he opens a door and there's a load of ninjas training. And he goes, "What was that?" And he's like, "Well, I always wanted to open a door into a room of ninjas training." That's what kind of what it is. <laughs> but that's how I think we imagine like special forces to do their oh, training yeah, like, yeah. like that. So I think it really that setting up is great anyway. Think about how how much culturally we've been exposed to the SAS and special forces since we've had stuff like the, the UK TV series, ultimate force. Yeah. We've had yeah. Um, SAS. Are you tough enough? SAS who dares wins, which are like uh, endurance and, and mm-hmm. game show like programs and stuff. In 1980, it was all new, and so many it? docos and yeah. books, as you said, like in the eighties, like, that was nothing. Like they, they'd seen the embassy siege and they didn't know anything. And there was probably a, a massive interest in it. And there was probably a real, like thirst for knowing what the SAS actually did and do, you know, because all the marketing for this is like it's the most closest thing you'll ever see to how the SAS do things, and the film almost breaks the Secrets Act because of how realistic it is. You know, they're really leaning yeah. into it. But anyway, um, we should probably talk about some of the crew. Um, so the film is directed by Ian Sharp, who was probably at the time best known for working on the Professionals and Minder, and there's a very good Professionals connection here because obviously Collins, you know, he's coming off. Of yeah, that. a lot of the a lot of the production team were. From yeah. the actual series, weren't they? They were, yeah. And he was said later, though, he, think the f- he thinks the film damaged his career. And he said in 2021, he said, I always suffer because of that. I was offered Highlander, and it was between me and Russell McClay, who was a very gifted actor. The American producer wanted me, but on the British side, they said I was a right-wing fascist. I know that for a fact because the American producer told me. So wow. there, is a, there is a feeling that this movie was, was a little bit right-wing, you know, attacking the left at the time. I, I read that. It's, in quite, some of the it's establishment, let's say. I wouldn't yeah, say it's it was, anti-establishment. I, it was, it, I think. Yeah, there's a little bit of jingoism. There's a, a little yeah. bit of anti-establishmentism uh, to yeah. it. There's definitely. a definite anti-nuclear stance, but then it attacks that stance at the end. Mm. So yeah. it, it is quite a. That's what we think we'll get into later. That the, yeah, we'll talk about the, the tonal shifts and and, and that, big I'm tonal sure. shifts. 
Um, so the uh, the legendary James Bond stuntman Bob Simmons, who is Bond in the in the original, you know, when he shoots the the, the, the oh, camera, the, and the blood dribbles yeah, down. Yeah. yeah, that's that's Bob Simmons. And he was an uncredited uh, stunt coordinator, but he'd worked on the Wild Geese and he'd worked on the Red Beret um, with Broccoli. So there's a not only is there a Ewan Lloyd connection, there's another Bond connection there. Um, wow. So this is why I think it feels like a Bond movie, because there's so many people that are involved in this one. Mm. Um, this is, and another Bond connection, we've got the cinematography was by Phil Mayhew. Mahu, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he's best known for his work on The Long Good Friday, which is a classic British crime film. It's one of the best. Um, and Goldeneye in 96 or 95? 95, 95 yeah. 95, yep, Goldeneye. And 2006's Casino Royale, where he was both, both nominated. So oh, wow. huge okay. James Bond connections yeah. here. The soundtrack, which is a thing of beauty. It's such a great synth soundtrack. Uh, composed by Roy Budd, who did the soundtrack for Get Carter, The Wild Geese oh, and the Sea Wolves. Um, yeah, it's just, isn't it? A thing of beauty. So that great. That scene of Collins pounding it down that hallway with the SAS lads behind him is... Is iconic. Most macho thing I've ever seen in a movie, I think. I, 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 I was saying to Rob before we began recording that you can do almost anything to that theme music and feel <laughs> yeah. like a boss doing it. Yeah, you know, well, the right the on time out, song the, as well. You know, do some hoovering. You know, you, you can really, <laughs> you really do come out feeling hardcore yeah. when that, that that theme tune's playing. It really does. It, but it's for proper tension and, and like ramper up sort of yeah. beat. Yeah, it fits perfectly, and it's 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 a masterpiece of of getting that tone with it with the soundtrack isn't it oh 100 100 and the movie was filmed for a, a budget of five million for the time it's quite big um, very respectable yeah that, for a brit yeah. for all british picture as well yeah exactly i think it was some american investment as well oh um, and more crew but yeah oh sorry yeah crew crew and, and cast yeah and it made back about three million and when you combine the domestic and the uh, the u.s box office figures and it was released on the 26th of august 1982 in the uk and in the u.s and abroad it was called the final option um, and that's also was in the UK uh, promotional material. It says who dares wins. And it's like they were the final option or it was the right, final right. option, something like that. And I've got a retro review this week as well. So the retro review comes from the Daily Mirror from the day of release uh, or the day after release in August 1982. And it says violence wins the dare. The campaign for nuclear disarmament people are up in arms against who dares wins. They say the film was a slur on their good intentions. I think they're being oversensitive. In the film, the senior ID is infiltrated by a left-wing terrorist organisation aiming to change society by revolutionary means. It's also a film which claims to show the training of the SAS and boasts the closest you'll ever get to knowing their secrets. In fact, the secrets are well known, particularly the methods used to overcome terrorists in the London embassy siege not too long ago. So if we ignore the process and publicity blurb, what remains? A slick, fast-moving, slam-bam action adventure. Who Dares Wins is not all that daring. It's a trendy, violent, inclined to preach, but genuinely well acted, with Edward Woodward as a top cop, Richard Winmark and a top diplomat, and Kenneth Griffiths a dotty bishop in supporting roles. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it, it, it notes the CND's reaction to it, and I can understand mm. that because it does kind of co-opt the movement, although it doesn't yeah. mention CND anywhere in the film, obviously. Um, campaign for nuclear disarmament, if you're not familiar. And... It, it's, it's the People's Revolutionary Front, I think. Something like that, called, yeah. They call themselves. Um, People's Front of Judea, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're bogged down in meetings most of the film. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I think it's interesting that, that they took it badly. I can understand why they took it badly, because 
it definitely doesn't chime with the way that CND operated or, mm. you know, wanted to be seen as to be operating. And of course, we'll probably talk about it more, but there's that whole element of the film where their strings are being pulled by mm. international actors and politicians and businessmen with their own um, yeah, yeah. agendas. But that doesn't come in so late into the movie where it almost is negligible. We get tiny hints, don't you, at the you beginning? Get and then yeah, it, that's what get it, it is. You get it really slammed home at the end. Um, yeah, but we'll there's talk a about little bit midway minute. through, but even then it's you know it's all blink and you'll miss it scenes. But I know that was, I think it was either Lloyd himself or the director said that they didn't quite understand at the time why people were so up in arms about it being a potentially right-wing film or, you know, that they, they were criticising the way that the, the villains were portrayed because he said, oh, the villains in the movie, they shoot peace signs. Like, they're not peaceful people. Like, I'm trying Thank to show you. you that they're not peaceful, but then in late, later on in his career, whoever, I can't remember who said the quote off the top of my head, um, but he said, maybe I overdid it at the time. So there is... I just assumed there were leftover placards from a demo. Uh, maybe like, oh, yeah we'll, we'll just shoot the peace signs it, yeah maybe it's there's, there's like no the... imagery or meaning behind this at all <laughs> <laughs> no i get it i get it but we had a bumper a bumper one word review possibly the um, most we've ever had yeah i think at the, at the moment of recording you we're on about 40 odd comments so we're going to just pick a and few. you know we're going to keep getting them after long after we've recorded this yeah we, people, we do we'll see yeah. uh, people will come to it on twitter and go oh god i love that film yeah or, oh god i hate that film because there's some people that don't like it in the comments which is absolutely fine yeah. i can understand that so we had the dissecting worlds on twitter he said best bond we never had but with no spaces um so i'll count that <laughs> that's a good cheat we allow that it's yeah. a good one yeah david raynham says 80s uh we've got rubber who says professional um, our own historic firearms it says Mac Ten. <laughs> You've got two in two in in two weeks. That's, I don't think that's I know. Fair. Right. <laughs> Rob Lewis says Gotcha. Uh, Chris Mumby says POV. I know what he's getting about that that fabulous POV shot in the oh the, through the respirator glass. So oh. good, yeah. Uh, we got Phil. Uh, I'm Phil K on Twitter says Collins. Uh, we've got uh, Nigel Jordan Barber says Destroy. Uh, Johan Zera says, Oh, yeah, that's the code name. Yeah, 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 jingoistic. Pretty good. We got some others. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in and, and throw some more in. Let's see. Um, Brian Williams says MP5. Sloppy Link says Scout. Can't believe you didn't read that one out, Rob. Come on. Well, I'm only, I'm only looking at a few of them. There's so many to go through. Jeffrey H says Flashbangs. Ian Houston says Laughable. Rob Lewis says Gotcha. Dan Tyndall says Hilarious. <laughs> James Rowley says full auto. Yeah. It's, it's and Paul a, Watts says nails. It's a movie that you've got to sort I think it's a movie of a certain era and it's a it, it I think it's just a certain palette, this movie. It's not gonna be for everyone. Oh yeah, totally absolutely. It. Yeah. It, it the thing the thing this is final thoughts almost, but the thing with the film is it shifts tonally so many times. Yeah, yeah I'll get um, into that more later on. Well, but it, you're right, it is a tonal shift every 15 20 minutes it's sort of it can't make its mind up um but matt do you want to we talked about a little bit about the cast and that review but do you want to enlighten us on just how many beloved british actors are in strap this in everybody because this is a long <laughs> yeah. one so yes i mean as, as rob says like there's there's it's a heck of a cast and it's what you would expect from a from a you know a you and lloyd movie isn't it really? when you consider yeah. it's coming off the back of wild geese and sea wolves um, <laughs> yeah, so we've got we've got Lewis Collins. This is his his first 
uh, lead role in a film. This is uh, off the back of The Professionals, as we've said. We've already covered his next film, Codename Wild Geese. Um, and then he has a couple of other, other uh, action military type films, including Commando Leopard in 85 and The Commander in 88. Uh, his last pseudo military role, of course, was Kennel Mustard in the 1991 Cluedo series. Yeah, I, I just just to butt in very quickly, I think it's the potential career that that Collins has yes. snatched away from him is is just so. You see people say annoying. that time and again, though, don't you? Yeah, you know, he, you know, he got looked over for Bond. It, he was meant to do a sequel to this movie, which was going to be a Falklands War film, um, reprising the role of Skellen. Like, oh. it's just yeah, he was going to be. Been? In, Exactly. He signed on with Lloyd to do a three-picture deal to do a, mm-hmm. a film called Macau and a film called, uh, not film called, Wild Geese 2. But they just never came to fruition. And it's such a shame that he never got to do the things that he could have done. Because um, he's just, a, at, for the time, he's like a proper macho, rough and tumble sort of actor. But it's he is. just yeah, he, such a shame for he's, me. He's got a lot of screen presence and it. it for a first like feature film, this is really good. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's some bits there, bro. People, you know, we'll get into that later. But he is solid in this. Mm. And then he's supported by Judy Davis as Frankie Leaf, the leader of the the terrorists. She's an Australian actress. Uh, she was in uh, Passage to India in 1984. Lots of supporting roles in films and TV. Uh, she played Judy Garland in a, in a biopic in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Widmark, uh, an icon of of you know yeah. Hollywood cinema um his, his military films include Halls of Montezuma in 51 The Frogmen uh, in the same year Destination Gobi in 1953 Take the High Ground uh in the same year Hell and High Water in 54 uh he was he was um Jim Bowie in uh, The Alamo in 1960 uh Judgment at Nuremberg in 1961 and the Bedford incident um, in 1965, uh, an, a real Cold War classic. And then, in terms of British cast, we've got Edward Woodward, who we, you know, we mentioned earlier, and he plays Commander Powell, who's um, a senior police officer, and he's best known for things like The Wicker Man in '73. Uh, other military films include Stand Up, Virgin Soldiers in '77. He was Breaker Morant in Breaker Morant, you know, Harry Morant. The equalizer. Callahan, he was the, like, yeah, he was the equalizer. Yeah. He was also in CI Five: The New Professionals in 1998. Yeah, and that was uh, trash, of, by the way. Let's get out of that. I, I've never so seen cool. it, and it sounds like I shouldn't. Uh, and his great. final f- um, film was Hot Fuzz in uh, 2007. Yeah. He's great. Uh, I mentioned like, that because there's another man. There's someone else who uh, yeah, appears in, a in there as well. Uh, Robert Weber plays General Ira Potter, who is the the I think he's the chief of uh, the chief of staff. Um, and he, spoilers, is shot by the, the terrorists. He played uh, General Denton in The Dirty Dozen in 1967. Uh, he was also Admiral Fletcher in The Battle of Midway in 76. And he was also in The Wild Geese 2 in 1985. Lloyd does um, a lot of this, doesn't he? He's like, he does. He pulls in actors that he's worked of, with before. You know, even, you know, like, oh, if you like Dirty Dozen, you'll like this one. He's it he's very clever how he cast i think it, 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 yeah something he's a about consummate it. producer in that way isn't he yeah, definitely yeah uh we've got tony doyle as kennel uh kennel hadley he had he was a prolific uh british tv actor um and and so was john uh dutton uh who played rod the sort of terrorist second in command uh, yep. another prolific uh british tv actor and then we have kenneth griffith um playing bishop crick the Bishop of yeah. Camden, I believe he is, yeah, as a sort yeah. of 
left-wing member of the clergy yeah. yeah member of the clergy so we know him best from channel instant in 1940 <laughs> uh, <laughs> um or of course maybe witty from world geese oh, 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 or... i mean i was going to come to his you know <laughs> but okay uh, he was also in uh, Private's Progress in 1956. Yep. He was in 1984 in 1956. Uh, he was in an episode of the Cold It series in the 70s. My and gosh. of course, he was witty uh, in uh, The Wild Geese. And, he's and in the sea he wolves. was, he was, I was about to say, he was also Sorry. in The Sea Wolves in 1980. Um, great actor. He, 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 he had some great roles. He just sort of pops up, but you're like, oh, he it's does. witty. <laughs> you can't help no, I was going to save this for later, but he. Did you notice that he's actually at the end of the film? Is he? The People's Revolutionary Front's office is is in the church building or the annex right. next to it. Because they, they never into it that up, do they? Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, yeah. They pass him in the morning and he says good morning to them as he passes yeah. them. He's in, and they go he's into in the offices. The, he's in the rally at the start as well. He is, yeah. yeah. He's seen in the, in the crowd. Uh, and then his big, um, uh, big moment in the film is where he gives a, a speech to a room full of um, CND, nuclear disarmament people mm-hmm. that have come to a, um, a benefit concert type deal. Um, and then you don't see him again, but you do. He's mm-hmm. actually, at the end of the film, you know where they're all coming out, the hostages are coming out, and Richard Winmark's character, who is um, Secretary of State, um, right. is talking to the ambassador. Kenneth Griffith is kind of stood awkwardly amongst that group of people, and I don't know why. Okay. So if you watch that back, he doesn't say anything. He's just there. He just, he's sort of like at the very edge of the frame. And is he he, like, is he just padding? Is he meant to maybe he's turned up to like be like, I don't know. Because perhaps something that set that up had been cut out. But you can see he's got his um, purple um, clergy's shirt on and and collar. And he's just stood there looking kind of awkward. Right. Yeah, it's a bit odd. That's odd. Yeah. Anyway, we continue. So Rosalind Lloyd played Jenny Skellen, uh, right. Peter Skellen's wife in the film. Now, does she look familiar to you at all, Rob? Sort of. Sort of. I knew I knew that might be because, somewhere. That might be because she played Heather, Roger Moore's girlfriend in The Wild Geese. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. She, she's the girl that um, they go and meet in the casino, and we get that no. brilliant scene of... of, of um, of them playing her? pissed and he yeah. goes so yeah she's she's heather from uh from the wild geese she was also in doctor who and lots of tv um oh so that's why she looks a little bit familiar um i had to re-watch that part of the wild geese just to make sure i, I wanted to make sure that imdb wasn't lying to me <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got ingrid pitt as helga who plays an absolute barnstorming bitch in this film what the heck so, yeah She's not really introduced, but she's obviously aligned with the terrorists and she's part of the People's Liberation Front. And she's introduced as being this hardcore, very, uh, very much on the core. How can I put this best? She's introduced as being this very hardcore, business-like, ruthless Mm. member of the group because she, she murders someone on a bus called Bloodily. And then yep. she fights Skellen's well, she wife. Kills Skellen's, she kills Skellen's handler, doesn't she? She does. Yeah. She does. With uh, hydrogen cyanide in, a, in a perfume bottle, which, my God, is that not a foretelling of things to come? Um, <laughs> yeah, oh God, yeah. Um, and, of course, Ingrid Pitt, best known uh, to perhaps listeners uh, of the pod for being 
in uh, War Eagle's Dare in 1968. Yeah. Perhaps not as well known for being in The Wild Geese too in 1985. And then in 1989, she was in Hannah's War as well. Um, She's great in this one. She's so good. And I'm sure we'll talk about her later because she's in one of my favourite scenes. Um, Definitely. In terms of members of the SES, we've got Maurice Robes uh, as Major Steele, who I wish there'd been more of him in this film. I would have loved to have seen more of of the the SAS guys, more of uh, Major Steele and some of the other troopers that were introduced. I think that would have really been great. But mm. I feel Um, maybe their bits were cut because... I, perhaps so. Some of them get lines at the end in the in the final raid bit, but they're not they're not set up as characters really. No, so not I really. just feel maybe their bits were cut. Yeah, I mean, well, well, Robes, we we know him on on the pod from Last of the Mohicans. Um, That's it. Nineteen ninety two. He was also in Oh What a Lovely War, uh, When Eight Bells Toll, Young Winston, uh, Danger XBU, uh, Escape to Victory, and Inside the Third Reich, where he played Hess. Some proper like credits in this, aren't they? There are, there really are. Uh, Nick Brimble played SAS Trooper Williamson. This isn't the last time he played someone from the SAS because you might remember, Rob, that he played Sergeant Vince Phillips from The One That Got Away. Wow. Do tune into our episode on The One That Got Away and Bravo 2 Zero. Yeah, um, yeah. He was yeah. also in uh, Danger UXB and The Eagle Has Landed. Uh, wow. Who else have we got? We've got Patrick Allen as the police commissioner. Now he had a hell of a he just career. Just pops up. He has like two sentences of dialogue <laughs> no. and he just fucks off. And you're like, what the fuck? Like you and Lloyd for me must just have people on retainers, like because he has a two line part in the Wild Geese as that advisor. Yeah, Rushton, yeah. again. He does. It's just like, what are you doing? Is he filming this in between doing takes of Protect and Survive? It's just this is as much time he's <laughs> got left. It's like. So, I mean, he has a small role in Dunkirk in 58. Yeah. He's Colonel Mathers in I Was Monty's Double. Uh, he was in Night of the Generals. He was the narrator on The Eagle Has Landed. He was Rushton in Wild Geese. He was the narrator, uh, uncredited, on Force 10 from Navarone, which I rewatched the other day, and it was still awful. Uh, he was I like Orkin that Le- one. I actually like that film. It's, it's sort of like, really we'll, like it. We'll, we'll talk about that one day. Yeah, another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was Orkinleck in Churchill and the Generals in 1979, and he was Colin McKenzie in The Seawolves in 1980. It's it, this is the thing. It's, it's Lloyd just has a way of stacking the cast with like people that you know. So it's sort absolutely. Of, it's it's a very unique way of doing it. It's like an ensemble. Well, I mean, to ways. illustrate that, then you've also got Paul Freeman who plays Sir Richard, the skewing politician, and mm-hmm. he was Derek in Dogs of War, which we've covered. Yeah. Don't forget to check yeah. that episode out. Yeah, and he was Belloc in Raiders. Raiders Lost Ark. Um, the year before um, and then he pops up in this in, in two scenes I think Maybe like there's three, two scenes three or four lines of dialogue probably yeah like there's yeah. really not much and of course he was also the vicar in Hot Fuzz in 2007 there's there the connection go. there's your link nice circle there Matt I like thank it. you and then finally <laughs> we can't we can't finish the cast off without talking about what is actually quite a well acted part so there's a special branch man with absolutely no lines who just appears when um Afron Impelli, I think his name is pronounced, oh, Malik, um, the character's name, um, arrives in the UK and he's at Customs Excise. uh, And this this sinister... He just stares at him for like a bit. Yeah, this sinister man in (laughs) in a Mac sort of comes up behind (laughs) the uh, the counter and looks at his passport. Um, And that turns out that that chap is a young Oz Clark who is a wine writer and uh, TV presenter now. 
wild. Until until Paul told me that on Twitter, that like, I, I oh, did yeah, not believe yeah. it. That was on Twitter, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the un- the final thing we can mention on cast is the band. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm going on. It's a long one. We spent half hour on the production and <laughs> cast alone. Usually, we're banging the alley tally right now. Oh my god! Well, the alley tally is going to be something else anyway. But... And the cast just keep on coming. <laughs> <laughs> so the band that play at the the uh, the fundraiser that Bishop Crick uh, gives his speech at yeah. is is basically Fairpoint Convention because. The majority of that band have either been in or are presently in Fairpoint Convention. So you got That's Johnny, uh, you got Jerry Donahue, you got Mark Donahue, uh, Jerry Conway, and Dave Pegg, and they're they're the band on stage, yeah. and they also right provided some, yeah, yeah it's a banger. Um, <laughs> yeah, they actually like, <laughs> provided a couple of extra songs and yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. But I thought that was interesting that they they basically got they're called Metamorphosis or something in the movie. Are they? Yeah, yeah, I think they yeah. are. They just listed as pop group in the credits, but oh right, yeah, they got they're they basically like they've yeah, played I know. Movie, they're yeah. basically Fairpoint Convention. It's wild, amazing. It's cool. Yeah. So there we go. We finished the cast. Phew. Take a breath. It's time for the alley tie. Yes, get right into it. <laughs> It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on Film. I mean, this movie is just chock a block again. Like we're going to try and not take too long on, on the on the Ali Tally, but gosh, there's there's a heck of a lot of stuff in here. Mm. So Matt, quick, quickly get into it. Mac tens, MP fives, um, high powers. SLRs. Yeah, I'll do. Favorite scenes. Yep. <laughs> imagine, imagine if we did that. <laughs> Bang. That's it. That's all you get this week. It is, but it is it's a very time capsule 80s weapons film, isn't it? It's very oh, yeah. time capsule. Oh yeah. Yeah. The only thing it doesn't have is a sterling. Like so. Oh, I know. That that's yeah. that's the big letdown. That's the big letdown. <laughs> so what have we got? We've got suppressed and unsuppressed Ingram Mac tens. Yeah. Um yeah. we get we get Ingrid Pitt. Who else explaining how, how they work? Did you see a DDR um should a DDR belt on? Did you see it? She's amazing. And she amazing. had a, um, a DDR uh, flag. Like they've got like a, I think it might have been one of the pins that was re- produced to like right. prop up the, the communists who fought in the She, does, she War. does give I like proper sure East German, East yeah. German terrorist vibes, doesn't she? she? Is, isn't she? Yeah. It's great. Um, like, she, I think she says the nine millimeter Mac tens. Ingram submachine gun. Um, but I love that scene because she berates one of the guys. She's like, "Terry, you've done this a thousand times before." Because he's he's looking at the magazine, not knowing how Poor to put old it Terry. in. Terry, <laughs> we just sick of doing it. It's like I know how it works. <laughs> I hope there's a decent backstop behind the back of that um, arm <laughs> because they're, they're lighting up those peace signs, which is yes, yeah. talk about imagery, um, but. Yeah, it, that's a hell of a scene. That's that's a great little scene, and then the the um, the power of the Mac Ten sending that yeah. lad flying across the room when <laughs> when Skellen. Yeah, yeah. Even though, even um, for spoilers, but uh, so Frankie when she gets killed at the end by the SAS soldier, she absolutely goes flying into a wall. It's she does like, straight through a stick through a glass door. Yeah, it's great. Light her up, like you know. They do. You get that great line. It's like skeleton getting too old. Come on, like it is. No, no, no. That's not it. That's it's Maurice Robes. So Maurice Robes, yeah. He lights her up with the MP5, and then he he turns to Peter, who froze, and he goes, "Slowing down, Peter." 
Yeah, it's, such a, it's like a quip. Like, oh my god, that's where I want more robes. I need more robes. It feels like he had more of a role to play in that sequence. Yeah, but Major Steel. That's his character. Every, so every time someone gets hit in this movie, is punches real weight behind the bullets. It, it is one of those. If you're a gun fan, like the last twenty. Minutes I don't think. I don't think a Mac Ten would have pushed that guy across the floor. But it's it's yeah, it it illustrates it. It. <laughs> it, it looks fabulous. Like even um. Even the, the the general commander of the general staff, when he gets lit up in the dining room, he like does. that, it's like, boop, boop, yeah. boop, like big big squibs on his back. It's very yeah, yeah. Uh, very Full visual. Yeah. yeah, getting lit. Yeah. Um, I'll teach him for being mean to Lee Marvin in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the SAS are all armed with MP five A threes, which is correct. They've all got the slim handguards, the the thinner mm-hmm. metal handguards rather than the big plastic chunky ones, and they've all got. The really cool straight waffle mag um, cool, mags yeah. um, that look great. The SAS were running curved by 1980, so it's not okay. quite correct because you can see on photographs from the embassy siege that yeah. the lads are running curved. Mm-hmm. Possibly jungle magged, actually. That's so great. when they, I didn't know, when I they wouldn't have known that, but it fires at about 800 rounds a minute. Blimey. Um, they're it's great point shooting. Like I'm, yeah, the whole, that the, whole we're going to talk yeah. about that's obviously going to be a of favorite. Course, scene. Of course, we are. Like, if you haven't guessed, everyone, <laughs> the best bit of the movie is the raid at the end. That's what set, the whole trailer basically is that raid. Like, it's yeah, amazing I've seen so how many. They... The, the trailer is all of the raid, all the TV yeah. promos are all of the raid. The VHS um, copy, the VHS trailer is all of the raid. The poster is of a man repelling like into the thing. It's amazing how yeah, they if you didn't sell know there was going to be movie. a raid. Um, yeah, then, I've never yeah. known a film to sell itself on ten minutes so hard. It's amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, we've got uh, a Remington eight seventy as a breaching shotgun, which is really cool. Probably talk about that when we get to the raid as well. Um, Westland Scouts. I know you were going to mention those. When do you ever see them? Like when do you ever see Western Scouts? And there are loads. It just looks great. Yeah, they're and they're definitely Army Air Corps as well. Yeah, they really definitely cool. are. Like they're doing their green. They just look fantastic, don't they? There's an XM one seven seven. There is. Um, which yeah. I know it's an E one because it's got the smaller barrel. Um, there you go. Rob's an XM one seven seven expert now. For some reason, I am at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's blinking. You'll miss it. They 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 fire some blank out of it when the um the two. Um, advisors from America and Germany are doing. God, we haven't version. even mentioned them yet. Yeah, we haven't mentioned them yet, have we? No, there's so much going on in this movie. But blanking, you'll miss it. The 68 pattern DPM the lads are wearing oh, in, the, yeah. in the Welsh valleys. How um, beautiful is that Welsh sequence, by the way? It's so se- well that shot. Whole sequence is so nicely yeah. shot. It, it feels very Falklandsy now. And um, when you when you think about yeah, it, yeah, when you there's there's one shot of them before they they all go on on the uh, yeah. on the yomp. Um, that could be like Mount Kent or something. It could it? really like, be. It's like the yeah. Falklands. It's the Falklands Lewis Collins film we didn't get in one shot. Um, yeah. First generation Range Rovers, very cool. I think very cool. I think they've aged quite well. They look good. It's I mean, I'm the, not a big Range Rover fan, but they look good in this but film. But it's also in in the uniforms as well. It's, it's this whole SAS myth because it, it, they they come with their own like mythos and iconography. Mm. You've got the gas masks. You get that really cool pov shot that we talked about earlier through the gas mask holes i don't think it's yeah. ever been done better in a movie if i'm honest it does look um, good really really good it's the the navy you've overalls. got the radio like you can hear them talking and yeah, stuff exactly like, terrorist dead from second floor etc yeah and all that, that sort of stuff it, it, it's how it represents them which i really like and it also 
shows you the SAS in in regular DPM as well, which I think is a, a nice thing that they do. Yeah, yeah, um, which is good. And it's all the little sequences you see of them like doing their, you know, driving in, getting out of cars, and firing on a on a house. The the tiny little sequence you get of them raiding a house. It, it... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. In yeah, when it the, cuts back. There's the so training much. sequences are um, you. You just want more of Maurice Rose and Nick Brimble doing house clearances. Yeah, really. that, that's sort of what I feel is missing. Is is a whole section of of Skellen training these lads up. Mm. But then it gets yeah. cut. Like it, I feel like that's what was probably cut. Actually, um, looking Maybe. at thinking about it now. What else have we got? We've got Beretta M12s. Um, yeah, they kind of differentiate the leaders of the terrorist cell. Um, Frankie and Rod have both given uh, Beretta given different M12s, submachine guns, whereas yeah. everyone else has got Mac 10s. Yeah, uh, which is really interesting. Ingrid Pitt has a little stub nose uh, Smith and Wesson revolver. It's cool. Um, there's, yeah, there's a little struggle there um, before she meets her spectacular demise um yeah. and then there's a couple, the couple of lads on the on the uh the scouts the um the westland scouts as they come in on what possibly is the least likely thing to have happened like two lads on wires hanging yeah. it looked fucking cool though didn't it, it looked- <laughs> yeah. yeah i can't imagine the sas were like yeah that's what we do um yeah how would you release yourself from two cables like that to go in through a window it doesn't God seem knows. anyway but they're armed with uh federal gas riot guns which the british army did issue at the time uh and that that whole bit is i think is it, it kind of removes some of the emphasis away from the, the really cool shots of the guys repelling down the building i think a little bit there's mm. a lot going on in that it's a it's a set it's a shock to the senses that end bit there's so much going on it's so frantic yeah, yeah it's true um, true it really does sort of override you in the movie it's a very frantic action sequence but I, I love it it's it's a bit like the wild geese there's so much packed in um and there's so much cool stuff in there and it's it's almost like just what people think what you imagine the sas to look like whether it's actually what they look like or not yeah yeah it does it plays into that whole it's that myth of iconography again yeah. isn't it yeah it, it is exactly you know the thing about them taking the wall away so they can blow it and and and, and at the end like so they can go into to rescue Skellen's family like it, it it just everything about the raid that we sort of know a little bit about they've taken it and and, and mm. given the movie magic to it um, and, th- and those sequences are some of the well best shot bits in the movie um so maybe yeah, there's I think some really should, nice cinematography in there absolutely it really is and I think maybe we should just move into fave scenes because it's very obvious what <laughs> what the favorite scenes I, are. I think I think there's going to be some some uh, overlap between 
the Alley Tally and Fave scenes. Hello, Robbie here. Did you know you can support the podcast on Patreon? Join the supporting cast today and gain access to exclusive perks, such as discount codes, our monthly Patreon film votes, and the chance to get exclusive merchandise before anyone else. Search Fighting on Film on Patreon or find the link on our website. Thank you. Now back to the show. So Rob, what's your favourite scene? I mean, well, <laughs> I, li- I like the dance at the start. That's a bit good. No, <laughs> I'm joking. We're going to get into all that in Final Thoughts because um, there's a lot to unpack. But it's got to be the raid. It, it has yeah. to be. Like, it, it's so well done. It, it They build up to it. You know it's coming. You've seen it in the in the, uh, in the the trailer. You know, you, you sort of sort of hinted at a little bit when when Edward Woodward's having his conversation with uh Judy Davis and there's there's a bit where that the, there's a, a definite uh spark to, to the raid so um the hostages are talking you've got Richard Winmark you've got uh Robert Robert Weber mm-hmm. and they're saying you know we've got to act I'm not going to die like this sort of thing I'm going to die doing something so Robert Weber's like I'm going to go for that gun so he tries to take a Mac 10 off a sleeping terrorist and as he goes yeah. to do it terrorist is startled he fires a burst in the air the terrorist's number two puts a burst of of, of mac 10 ammunition into a robert weber's back and obviously they hear it outside you get a great shot of the reaction of, the, of all the sas and the uh the police outside running around getting into full fire positions you get a great little six section yeah. of that and woodward basically rings the he rings the home secretary and yeah. then it's like right it's on and then the sas commander just takes over and the, the the theme song comes in again, oh. and it's it's on, and it's so good. You know, scout Westland scouts come out of nowhere. Lads are tooled up. It's just fantastic. And then people start repelling. You get breaching charges. People going in through windows. I know they recreated. It's a very small section, but but five minute five five sorry five or ten seconds worth of screen time. But a lad gets set on fire. His arm gets set on fire. Yeah, the can. He, he come, yeah, he comes to a can. It's on fire. Yeah, and that's a that's replicated to the, to the actual embassy siege. Yeah. Embassy siege. Yeah. And then there's, you get these just sort of treats, like visual treats. Like, as we said, the POV shot of the men checking the hostages. Yeah. And, and even, this is the thing. So in those sequences, it's not Collins at all. Collins doesn't do anything of any no. real action no. until the last, maybe five minutes of the movie. Um, and he has, in that section, he has a little bit where he, he grabs a Mac 10 and, and, yeah. and pinches ammo from he, a he a, just bitch slaps a guy in the face. Yeah, it, that is that's cold. That's a cold it, ass. It is, it's a great, take. it's a great move. He, he takes that, it takes that Mac 10, yeah, lights up, he, he takes very careful aim, lights up the guy. I've never seen someone aim a Mac 10. Props exactly. To, and props to and him, yeah. Lewis Collins does. So he drops the guy at the end of the table, the banquet table, does a sweet commando roll, yeah. pops up. 10 feet from where the, the terrorist ex- expects him to be and then just empties the mag into <laughs> so the guy good. opposite. And then he yeah. gives the Mac 10 to some of the hostages and said, if anyone comes in this room that's not SAS, fucking kill him or something. Like, or, yeah. or within, any of the bastards, the bastards come in this room, shoot yeah. the bastards, yeah. And then, mm. then it's just the, the systematic part of the SAS coming in yeah. and doing their job. And that is your climax. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very well set movie just to get to that point. And that's unfortunately for me where the movie falls down we'll talk about it in a bit but that whole 10 minute section it's just worth watching that it's, so, it's good. so well done isn't it 
So yet the clearing rooms, there's two men paired door with MP5s. They're throwing the flashbangs in, which reportedly were developed by the, the SAS in the 70s. Um, and then you get one guy during one of those respirator um, POV shots. You hear one guy saying, I've got a jam. And another guy like moves through past him. Yeah. And takes the next guy. And then a terrorist just walks out the door and is like completely be- bewildered. And he just gives and him a burst. like Just gives him a nothing. full burst. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the roboticness of the doing it. You've trained so much for it and then you yeah. do it. Like it's, they do. Yeah. The film does a good job of rep- of, of mm. showing that. Uh, yeah. That See, I think of the room clearance drills, etc. Because I know the actual siege is is replicated in uh, the six is it six, six days. Yeah. Six days. Sorry, the Netflix film with Jamie Bell um, that was made a few years ago. But I think this movie does it a lot, lot better. It, well, uh, I think I just think, think the it six, does it more effectively. Well, the, the six days uh, sequence is almost too accurate because it's done in in under like a minute and a half. Yeah, it's it's because done that's for how the long realism. The took. Yeah. yeah, but like this this one just it's that movie magic, the heightening reality part. There's of it, pauses. That, there's like. a dude that sort of just comes down from nowhere. Yeah, because there's a terrorist on a balcony with a match just and he, down it. Yeah, and he repels down and just shoots him as he passes, and then he like yeah. hits the floor and pulls a load of rope through a carabiner mm. and gets up. Yeah. And it's great. Off. And then and then I think you get. I mean, it's one of the better, or sorry, one of the best running sequences in in one of these action movies. It's the best 15 seconds ever put on celluloid. It's the best running of down a corridor <laughs> ever. Like it, it Skellen is is fa- is found by the SAS team. They obviously recognise him. He's, he's called his, by his first name, his actual name. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, oh, so, so nice to hear my name again. Come on, lads. And, and he runs down a hallway and you, you the, the theme music kicks in again on me. So he's mm. in command again. And they run down that section and it's buff, like up pumped iron Lewis Collins. He's never looked so tough running down a corridor with a Mac Ted at the low carry <laughs> with his <laughs> SAS mates behind him. And I'm like, that's your trailer shot. That's that's yeah. you sell the movie on that shot alone, and it's so well, we've great. Sold I, this episode on that shot alone. Yeah, yeah, I, made, pro- I, I made that <laughs> promo for the one we're reviews because it's just iconic. It's so good. Like, it's just brilliant. Like, it's not. It's I mean, no more... the only problem with that is like after that that sequence and the, after that running sequence, nothing really happens. Like, yeah, Maurice Rose ramps so character, much. And- there's no way you can go. The movie just fizzles out, really. Well, she it does. She comes through a door and she goes. She just looks confused, and he yeah, does as and, well. He and they both look at one another. They both hesitate, yeah. and then Major Steel just comes in with his MP5 and <laughs> absolutely that. blasts her. She goes <laughs> flying through a door, play door. <laughs> it's murder, isn't it? It's just there's like, a there's geez. a there's a two millisecond like shriek from her, and she, as she Stop. goes through this door, Some crumpled it, heap. It, yeah, yeah, it's Stop. it's Stop. um, it's a weird, dead. it's a weird climax to a great sequence. It is, yeah, but I think but I can't that... think of you can't have any other way. She no. wasn't going to have a shootout with them. Let's face no. it. it, it's that cold, cold coordinated professionalism on the show. I think I think that's what it is. I think it's interesting because this is clearly that that this is the most action orientated sequence of the film. Yeah, but. When you think about it, it's not a typical action film where they have a, a shootout. All of the terrorists no, take it unawares. None of them actually get effective return fire. There's a sequence yeah. where uh, the SAS kick in a door. Three terrorists turn, empty their, their, their MAC-10s into that door. The, the SAS use a, a great tactic of coming in through another door. And, and the terrorists don't know what's hit them. 
and that's no. the same throughout the whole sequence. Um, there's well, another bit it's where just, it's sort of like, however well trained you think you are, you're not as good as the SAS. <laughs> like it's that's, that's what it's doing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's, there's that bit where um, Skellen's walking down the, the same corridor, um, but before the the, the corridor sequence, mm. um, and one of the terrorists comes through the door and says, "What's going on?" He just turns around, and empties a mag into him. <laughs> yeah. He goes that's through a plate glass door as well. Yeah. That's his like Bond moment, isn't it? Like that's it his. Is. Just like, like a heel in, spin yeah. and empties a mag into him. And then what I really <laughs> like about this film in terms of authenticity is he walks past the Mac 10 and takes the magazine out of it and it's puts so it in his cool. belt. Like it's just cool. Like he is cool. Like he's as I say, best bomb we never had. Like it, it, it's that yeah. dry run, isn't it? Like, I love it. I absolutely love it. But I know, I know the bit you want to talk about. It's just equally as good. And it's over in like five, ten seconds. Yeah. Um well, there's another bit we can talk about as well. So there's okay. a bit before the siege begins, and uh, Lewis Collins basically dictates his memoirs with a with like a shaving mirror in Morse code oh, to Hadley yeah. outside, and it's the longest Morse code sequence ever. <laughs> he's gone for like the longest piss because <laughs> he's he's essentially a captive because they know he's he's not genuine at this point because Ingrid Pitts followed him and seen him with his his wife, and he's supposed to be separated from his wife and uh ingrid pitt explains this to frankie um and says that skellen's actually he's probably dodgy he's probably still sas at this point um so they they kidnap his family i'm leading into my favorite scene so they kidnap his family um and they take him along on on the mission yeah well they've run they've sort of got him rumbled at that point they have they got him rumbled um yeah and they don't they don't give him a weapon and they they follow him and post a guard on him don't they anyway he says i I need to use the bathroom goes into the bathroom and shuts the door leaves the guy outside and then the longest morse code with the through the window with with hadley the uh, the sas kennel uh who's about 100 feet away still behind a police land river with a torch replying to him yeah just goes on so long and that's another thing we'll probably talk about later on when it comes to the pacing of some scenes anyway as i said i'm coming on to my favorite scene my favorite scene is they know skellen isn't completely legit and he's told them that he's been cashiered and no longer in the sas which we didn't say in the plot explanation at the beginning i apologize listener if you haven't seen the film we've not done a good job of explaining (laughs) the nuance of who dares wins i apologize um, but I'm I'm almost 90% certain that if you're listening this long into the podcast and you manage to get through production, cast, yeah. Ali Tally, <laughs> to get to this point, you've, you've seen the film. Valiant effort if you've not watched the movie yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you tuned in to go, should I watch Who Dares Wins mm. with Lewis Collins? Um, but yes. The so time they got you to do cast, it'd be halfway through the movie, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, it's a bumper episode. So... Yeah. Lewis Collins's um, wife and, and baby daughter are being held captive by two, uh, two of the terrorist cell, um, and Ingrid, Ingrid Pitt, Pitt and some Ingrid other bloke, yeah, yeah, who you've never seen before. <laughs> no. um, and Ingrid Pitt's in like full bitch mode. It's great. Oh, she's um, fucking cold. The baby's isn't crying. It? She's got. She says to Scarlett's wife, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill your baby if she doesn't yeah. show up." Shut um, that thing up, and then you get the great. I like the little bit with the policeman who they've knocked out, but he regains consciousness. And he yeah, keeps big trying to PC talk. Trevor Lock vibes going on with that scene. Yeah, isn't I like there? I like that bit. It's it's very mm. human. I like that element to it. He's trying to he's still doing his job. Like I, mm. it's a nice little include. I know it's small, but I did like his character. And then the sass turn up, don't they? And they next door. 
Yeah, so they they uh, they they realise that she's been uh, kidnapped in her own home, and uh, the SAS come, and they uh, have a surveillance team that takes part of the, the next door neighbour's wall down, and, and yeah. with a hand drill, just push yeah. a tiny pinhole camera through. That's his, very um, spy thrillery, isn't it? That's very, another element yeah. in the movie. There's some borrows. there's some um, there's some accounts that say that that's what they did. Um, okay. In in the Iranian embassy siege. And then there's some accounts also say that this film perpetuated the myth, the myth that they yeah. there was a bulge in was the it Russell wall Phillips on Twitter. He put up a thing yes, exactly. About that he's yeah. one of the one of the chaps. He wrote an article about it. Um, it was a great article, Russell. Thank, thanks for that. You know, you know, there's a little bit about that sequence that I love just before you, you go on there. Um, but when they move the table and they're trying to be really silent, there's oh. like, and the little like yeah. brass camel thing falls, and yeah. the guy picks it. Oh, I love the choreography of that sequence. It's I, so good. I, I, you know what? I watched that last night, and I thought, was that intentional? Did they, it doesn't they look plan it, that, or great. did that guy actually catch that? Yeah. Because they're it's moving the, the table, and it's supposed to be quiet, and yeah, they've, they've, they've not stripped the table. There's like a glass decanter yeah. set on there that could have slipped off. That would have definitely given the game away. Anyway, yeah. they they tell the, the neighbour to play some music really loud, and they they get the wall set up ready with a with a breach in charge, and then two two uh, two operators, SAS lads come in, and they're, they're both just armed with with high powers because they know it's a situation where they're going to need ultimate precision so they don't shoot Scarn's wife and baby. That's it. And they've got a torch bad. on their wrist, haven't they? That's yeah. yeah. I know Collins mentioned that in that Whitely interview. He's yeah, like, he when does. in that bit, they've got their torch, and that's something they actually do. So yeah. it's like, okay. So there's a great little bit in that. So that they're both with their backs against the wall, ready to breach. So the breach in charge will go off, and then they'll they'll turn in through the hole, clear the room. And yep. the chap stood there with with the, he loads a high power, and, and it's 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 just a nice little. I'm gonna make a gif of it. It's yeah, so I know cool. it's so good. So he he loads a mag, and then he just drops the slide, and they're ready to go, and they blow the wall. But it's Two like seconds. he checks the round's going to chamber, so and then he, he slides it's like, it It's forward. almost like a press check. He just just chambers the round. It's so fucking cool. But the the charge goes off. By this point, Skellen's wife has been giving Ingrid Pitt, her, you know, her money's worth. She's <laughs> she been like rolling around. Leather in her, like yeah. <laughs> I know it's the hell of a fight going on in there. Yeah, I think if they just waited, like Skellen's wife would have cleared it for them anyway. <laughs> yeah, like knock Pitt out and, and grab their stuff. Yeah. Um, Smith and Wesson that... just finish the two terrorists off anyway but you yeah, know yeah that's a great see the way it ramps out you got the baby coming in the background you got the mother trying to defend her child it, it, yeah. that sequence is very good and it makes the SAS but have to go quicker because you get mm-hmm. the impression they're not quite ready yet yeah, um, yeah. it's really good and the, the whole the darkness and the the, the torch it's just on the torch faces. lights up Ingrid Pitt's face and then it's there's two rounds fired and they're, they're both done and that's it and it's it's, so it's very well slick very very slick I love it um and it's it's another thing where I was going to mention as well. We've done two Collins movies now. Yeah. <laughs> Something about the way Collins reloads weapons on screen is just so fucking like slick. <laughs> like so in the Wild Geese two, he re- sorry no in Codename Wild Geese he reloads an M nineteen twenty eight Thompson and it's like the most clinical reload of a Thompson you've ever seen. And then in this, not only do you get the loading of the Browning eye power, but you get him reloading Mac ten like on the run, and it's just fucking immaculate like i love it there's something there's something about good reloads that just they just no no his, like, his drills his ASMR drills are great. for people asmr for people but the slick reloads i just can't get over them they're so good yeah no his, his drills are great um but do you think one more thing i promise I'll satisfying again <laughs> yeah 
Do you think the guy who cocks that browning is the same guy at the start who had the issue with the browning? Yeah, so I, that'd be great. That'd be great if it was. But there's no way of knowing because the guy's got a balaclava on and a respirator, so you can't see his face. Um, but it would be great because at that beginning, the so there's there's two exchange officers that are coming to learn from the SAS. Really from about them, yeah. Oh my god, the rangers. So I'll just throw these in now. So they're throughout <laughs> the whole film. They're kind of a plot device. Um, and they drive in in a Range Rover and they stop at um, the gate, introduced to uh, Nick Brimble's character, um, who's stood on sentry with an MP5. Nice. Um, they'll exchange. Um, and then they, they, they park up after they've passed the SAS training camp where everyone's doing drills and stuff. And it, it looks pretty cool. It's, mm. it's, the, it's the ninja scene. It's the Bond ninja scene. Yeah. Um, the training sequence. And there's, there's a guy that, that says to a uh, chap, stood next to him i've got a jam and he says well clear it then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the most, i think like, that's the same bloke because that it, to me seems like an arc be, it would be great it would be good actually and he, he does he yeah. strips it's probably the only time you'll ever see a brownie hype out stripped on screen it's so good yeah he just he just strips it takes it apart like puts it back together mm. the high power podcast <laughs> it's what it sounds the like the browning high power it's the best a man can get <laughs> yes literally yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought maybe it's a professional thing because obviously they used them in professionals too. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. it. I mean, um, there's so there's so many um, elements of the professionals that go into this film in in terms yeah. of parts vibe of it feel like an extended episode. And yeah, yeah, it does. So maybe we should move on to final thoughts this week. It's, it's an interesting movie. I I, I was saying before That's we That's an understatement, began, by the way. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> was saying before we began recording, like, is it on par with Wild Geese in that era of mm. cool 80s movie? Well, cool, cool late 70s, early 80s movies with that tone. British action films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it I, I don't think it I don't think it's on par. It's close, but it's not on par. It, it's Wild Geese, this probably sea wolves yeah if you're doing lloyd if if we're ranking pictures you and lloyd films yeah, <laughs> yeah um, if you're doing that but if you're doing like british actiony sort of movies yeah like and maybe maybe wild geese second. 2 is is like way down relegation zone yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's floundering on like no points yeah you know what we'll end up re-watching that at some point and go god that was really good wasn't it we'll that probably be like oh, i love that that was great <laughs> disregard everything i said on the world <laughs> who does wins episode but yeah it's it's kind of it's an oddly paced tonally weird film so it begins <sighs> god, it yeah. begins with mi5 special branch the sas home secretary i think chatting yeah. about um, the people's liberation front they know they're a problem um and then we're introduced to this um external puppet master type thing with malik's character who's yeah. coming in and giving large amounts of money to various organizations but that's barely hinted upon un until the end anyway so it's all very yeah and then you get straight sas training sequence segment then you get weird james bond-esque bit where he's like that scene where he picks her up in the club is just the worst. Oh, I, I see. I quite like that because it's it's very Roger Moore. Like it's very it's, um, it, yeah, but it's not Collins. It's not Collins though, is it's it? It's not Collins, but he does a good job of it. 
it's weird yeah, to see him act yeah. like that because I just don't think we're used to seeing him in those sorts of roles. Have you got a car? I'd like you to go to bed with me. And I'm like, whoa, Lewis. <laughs> you know, you've not bought a drink, mate. Like, come on. Well, he, he did order a vodka for them, but, but it never arrived. <laughs> it's like that family It was that thing. quick, Rob. The drink didn't yeah. even arise. 14 no's and a yes is still yes or whatever it was called. <laughs> I do agree with you. The, the tonal shifts are all over the shop. It can't work out whether it wants to be an action film, a spy film, because it feels very, very Bondy in the middle there, where he's sort of ingratiating. And you could see, you could see Roger Moore doing this role. To be fair, if he was like twenty years younger, like it would, yeah, okay. it would have worked. Like for yeah. me, anyway, I love it because of that ten-minute sequence. I love it because of Lewis Collins. But as a movie, it's just so muddled. Like, it can't work out whether it's pro or anti-nuclear warfare. I think it's trying to give um, arguments for both. Because uh, at, at, the end there, the impassioned speech from, from Winmark's character that actually Widmark. foils... Windermark, sorry. Widmark. Uh, Widmark, sorry. Um, God. From which Widmark? Widmark. Wid, from, wi- from Richard Widmark. <laughs> from Richard Ridmark. Fucking hell. From Richard Widmark. Um, and it foils the whole terrorist plot so that she feels like, you know, she's she's like, we're a couple of, like... Idiots, like, yeah, she comes out of... Something. There's, it's a great exchange. There's some really good lines in there. The dialogue um, in that is fantastic, yeah. There's a... The, Robert Weber has one of the, the best lines where he says, we might all die, lady, but... And he says something about, well, hell, lady, that's the business I'm in, because he's, he's a soldier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it, it's... There's some really great dialogue yeah. and discussing the... Should you really be wanting to drop a nuclear bomb onto a, a town in Scotland, which is also a nuclear submarine base? Um, yeah. It's not called Fastlane, but it is Fastlane. It doesn't um, make sense, though, that whole plot they've got. They don't you know, even... Inter- that Until you get to that scene in the film, you don't know that's what her plan is. They've not mentioned it before. Like It, would, it just would benefit from you knowing their plot at the start so you know the stakes. Yeah. Because you don't really have any stakes until that end bit. It feels like the end of the movie should possibly be the middle. That part of the movie should come earlier. So you and just as a viewer, you know what the stakes are. Yeah. Yeah. It, perhaps that will work better. There's just a lot of elements that don't make a lot of sense to me, really. Like you've got. So I mean, we haven't even mentioned this. this is the thing. I know this episode might run a bit long today, but like we haven't even mentioned the fact that Collins um, beats the shit out of those two lads that are on the training from international like units. Yeah. GSG nine um, and the Rangers, there's two officers the Rangers. that come and they're used as puppets basically. That's it. And he's beasting them on the Welsh Hills. Yeah, he goes and too far. And that's the whole Col- thing, isn't it? But Collins knows he has to, to get kicked out so he can go and infiltrate, but the movie hasn't set Collins up yet to even be no. part of the mission. So it's confusing. And then they are allowed to just go and nearly kill Lewis Collins in that hotel room by putting a, bit of wire on his neck and having a massive fight and flinging him at every single glass thing in yeah, that so room. The, what they do is when he when he's doing the beasting um after um an exercise he he loops a noose around their, their necks That's and their it. feet and it's a it's a interrogation method to, to let them stress yeah. put them in stress positions and then they come and visit him um after the SAS uh colonel gives him that you know his address yeah, exactly. And it's it's supposed to ingratiate him with the terrorists in that so they feel his pain, like yeah. that sort of thing. But it doesn't make any sense because it, those people mean nothing. The people no. that go and get that, so they're being used as a ploy, but they don't know they're being used as a, pl- a ploy. Surely they'd be in on it 
because a, a nuke being dropped anywhere in the world in the 80s would concern every bloody Western nation and every nation on Earth, really. Well, they don't even, uh, we don't even know that that's their plan at that point. No, that's, it, exactly that's what that. I mean. We don't find problem. out that until the last 15 minutes like, of the film. If the SAS are in on the mission, which they clearly are, you learn after. They just know that they're going to do some sort of terrorist act. Yeah, exactly. But so surely... Surely they should have sent two nameless face, nameless SAS members that we hadn't seen before to duff Collins up. And halfway through that fight, I mentioned earlier to you, like before we started recording, just grab him up by the ear and go, look, just take the beating. It's to, it's to better your cover. And then that yeah. whole scene makes a lot more sense. You're like, oh, okay, so they're trying to try and ingratiate Collins with the, with the anti-war movement because now he's been beaten up. He's like, you know, there's so much you can do just to, make it all seem a little you don't have to change much but just just make scenes make a bit more sense at times because well, it's they, they could have introduced this character it. a lot better i mean that whole dance troupe sequence is bizarre there's no need for her to be the leader of a dance troupe rob no let's face it's just, it because it never plays a factor in no i know all the guys that are going into the embassy are probably her from her revolutionary dance crew probably but it's needless isn't that's it? my head cannon at least but it it does it's not a factor She's already been seen to be like an editor of a revolutionary newspaper and she's leading yeah, the enough. People's Liberation Front or whatever it's called. There's no need for it to be a rocket in a dance act thing. I think it's one of those things that's trying to cheapen the left stance on the thing, but you know, look at the weird shit they do. Yeah, that's yeah, how I it suppose, yeah. feels. And that's one yeah. of the things that doesn't sort of come off. Like if I was doing a fan edit, that's one of the things I'd cut. It goes on entirely too long anyway. And it's yeah. the, the music is awful. The dancing is terrible. She just stands on a pedestal and looks weird. It's interpretive dance, isn't it? It's doing a lot. Yeah, it is. And that's never great. Sorry to any interpretive dancers out there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, Matthew Moss's views are the views of Matthew Moss and not the views of the Finding On Film podcast. <laughs> but a point I'd like to make is that along with Bishop Crick scene and the prolonged fight in the after the concert benefit concert yep. thing where skinheads and that's even hinted to be orchestrated which is yeah, bizarre exactly. that's a great bit i like that bit though there's like also in in the press they'll just say it was skinheads fighting yeah, these yeah. people it, it would it would be a clever little sequence if that part of the film had been set up and emphasized a little bit better but it just exactly. goes on a bit too long because we get yeah. the whole song we get we get to watch <laughs> awkward lewis collins at a like a, a rock gig just like he just looks really out of place anyway he so he does i mean he, the club where they he goes and watches a dance troupe he's in he's dressed like alan partridge um and <laughs> in in like a, oh, like a club Christ. jacket and and beige like trousers yeah i know it's supposed to be weird because it hurt rod the the second in command of the the, the terrorists goes who's that guy and why are you leaving with him yeah um but it's just a bit odd. Anyway, the point I wanted to make was it just runs a little bit too long. It does. It's a bit too long. They could long, have caught 20 seconds, 30 seconds out of these yeah. sequences, and you would have been left going, okay, he's been to mm. a dance number and watched her and met her there. Yeah. The, Weird, it's but the pacing okay. that's an issue. It it's, goes it's, on a bit too long. Yeah, it's two hours. And don't get me wrong, it isn't a laborious two hours. You're not you're not willing the movie to end. I think it it, yeah. it just justifies its time but there's so much the movie sets up at some points where it could have just done a little bit more maybe a little bit more editing a tiny bit cut maybe 20 minutes 15 minutes and it's still a very very solid movie another another point 
um, in the film that does that and is guilty of that is the setting up of Jenny and his wife, his wife and child. They do too much of it, I think. He, you know, he, he comes in, gives them a present. You think, oh, well, I'm going to have to work longer. You won't see me as much. Yeah, it's a bit soapy. He I doesn't think, say, I'm, I'm going to go away. And he goes, I love you, Jenny. And it's the, he's got about as much emotion as a plank in that scene. It just, it, it's flat. The, the scene where he meets them on his motorbike at a park. Well, that's um, what gives him away. And breaks his cover, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it has a little bit more to it, but those scenes just fall a bit flat. And while Jenny's character is, is you know, isn't really introduced, that probably would have also ramped up the tension of them being kidnapped at the end. Probably, Although yeah, those cause... scenes are, are good, mm. but they're mostly good because of the actors in them, not the way that they've been set up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's a bit, there is quite a lot I'd leave on the cutting room floor if I had my chance. But however, saying all this, I still love it. It's still a great film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For all of its flaws and weird tone and being jingoistic and then not being jingoistic. And, and that was an issue at the time. Like, as you see in the review from earlier, and there's a few other things I found when I was reading it where people were saying, well, what is the tone of this movie? Is it a pro SAS film? Is it a pro anti, anti or pro nuclear war movie? It can't make its mind up. And that's just how I come away from it. I've got to put my final film hat on and overanalyze it. But when I was watching it Absolutely. a cu- couple of nights ago, bag of crisps and a beer, I was like, hey, this is great. Lewis Collins shooting terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there'd been more SAS in the movie. That is the biggest flaw, isn't it, really? Yeah, there should have been more SAS in the movie of them doing training, doing uh, yeah. perhaps, you know, a mission or, you know, more of the actual SAS characters that are introduced would have been great. The sequence in Wales is beautifully shot, the, those shots of the waterfall, etc. I get the feeling that they kind of wasted the physicality of, of Collins on doing all of... I mean, he can do it, don't get me wrong. Yes. He can do the undercover infiltration bits, Um and he has some nice lines and the bits where he's losing tails in London, jumping onto the, the yeah, ferry that, on the Thames. Oh, that's great. Um, meeting his contact at that bit where he's walking into the market wearing that uh, white white overcoat and um, oh, I fucking love that. He looked, he looked like, like Roger Moore in The Saint. It was fucking <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, that, like that espionage element is fucking great. But they're just—he can do them, but they wasted yeah. the physicality. They should have had yeah, more they did. Of, 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 uh, of the action. Could they not have had a sequence involved. of him training up those rangers and the the, the CS nine bloke up the two international fellas in? They could have had more scenes of him training them up, and then oh, he learns about this mission, and then he's got to be a right bastard to him. Yeah, like they could have just done a little bit more to to prop him up as this actiony sort of guy. Because at I the think- end, it's. I think thinking about it, I think the problem is that the way they've 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 written it, and it's obviously yeah. been edited uh, before yeah. it's even gone to gone to the you know be filmed, um, gone to production rather. Well, I know the script, the, the book that the script's based on was sent to the writer month by month, like when the when the chapters were done. Sorry, chapter by chapter. So it's right. Okay, maybe that was an issue there um, because I think that's where some of the issues come in, um, mm. and obviously the script was edited once the MOD had had some input. So I, I think a lot changed and maybe that hurt the cohesion and, and the setting up of characters a little bit. Perhaps, but yeah. when you take that into account, it's remarkably, you know, coherent. It, yeah, it comes it, it comes it off It could great. have been a lot like, worse. No, it could have been a lot worse. This could be a... I know it, it got a few um, 
it was in some of the like the worst movies of 1983 lists that I found a couple wow. of them. Okay. Um, just I think they're more American this than anything else. But um, by and large, the movie is great. The soundtrack is something. Oh yeah. Just on its own, it's worth mm. listening to that soundtrack. It's on Spotify actually. You can you can listen to it very yeah. easily. Um, and I know the movie gets repeated on. It was on great. Was it great movies TV or something? Yeah, it was on great movies over in the, over here in the UK. In the UK, um, it's on Talking Pictures TV as well sometimes. Um, and I think there's a version on YouTube that's been ripped from the VHS copy um, out there. So it's, it's findable. Um, absolutely. But, yeah, but as we it say, it, it's a Ewan Lloyd movie. If you like The Wild Geese, if you like Sea Wolves, I mean, heck, if you like Paper Tiger, you'll probably like this movie. Um, and it is such a little um, catch timepiece of when the UK and, and a lot of other place, people in the, uh, in the sort of interested in the military sphere were absolutely mad on the SAS. And it's a film that can only happen if the Iranian embassy siege happens because it's a direct, um, like, imagining from the what happened on that on that raid. So it, it's a nice little capsule, I think. It is. It's it's interesting. Like I said earlier, it it it's not quite at the same level of the Wild Geese. Um, I think that's right. I think you're it's right definitely that. not yeah. as polished because I mean, look at those sequences in the Wild Geese where they're in London. Uh, finding Roger Moore's character. There's no meat. There's no sorry. There's no fat on the wild geese. No, it's all meat. But there's a lot of fat around this meat. You just have to get through it. You know. Yeah. But as we said, the best scene is obviously the the assault. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you're not watching it for anything else, just just watch the last ten minutes because it's fantastic. But there we have it. That was our take on Who Dares Wins, and we just the reason we did Who Dares Wins this week is we wanted just something. That wasn't a palate cleanser. Just a palate cleanser. Coming off of Anzac Month, which we absolutely love. We love the feedback and, and some of the guests we have are fantastic. But we thought, what's the furthest removed? One of the furthest removed movies away, heavy war movies. And we thought, hmm, something like Who Dares Wins, because we don't usually talk about movies that are just outside our ballpark. Um, and, and it's always a film, whenever it's on, we get at it and, and people mention to us, oh, Who Dares Wins is on tonight. And the response um, on Twitter as soon as we mentioned it was... Astronomical. And I hope we, well, I hope for fans of the movie out there, I hope we paid it, hope we paid it dividends. So as always, thanks for joining us again. Do remember the shop is now live on the website and there's that new Patreon tier if you want to become a supporting cast member. We'd love to have you. As always, stay up to date with us on Twitter, at Fighting on Film. And find us on Facebook, search for us there, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.